Welcome to The Cobot Show, the podcast that breaks down the barriers of industrial automation. My name is Danielle Marlette from Universal Robots, and talking with me today is Joe Campbell, longtime veteran of the robot industry and head of marketing for Universal Robots North America. And we also have with us a special guest speaker, Rob Goldies, co-founder and CEO of Hyrobotics. Today, they're going to talk about using cobots on demand. Thank you, Danielle, and thank you, Rob, for joining us. This is going to be a fun session. Um, you guys have pioneered a new way to bring robots into manufacturing, and it's the whole concept of robots on demand, and I, I think it's fascinating. I've been in the business a long time, and it's always been a capital equipment purchase. Maybe you could get a leasing company involved, but in the early days, even that was difficult. But now you've kind of knocked down a lot of the barriers and you're doing things in a very different fashion. Yeah, thanks. And thanks for having me. Um, we do like to do things a little bit different, separate ourselves from the pack, whether that's good or bad. Um, and we, we love to have a good partner and a good platform to build it on. That's excellent. So, so talk about the whole concept of robots on demand. How did you come up with the concept? What, what brought you to that business, play, that business case? Yeah, so um, this goes, our first introduction to Universal Robots was back in 2014. I was general manager of Scott Fetcher. Uh, Matt, who worked with me at Scott Fetcher, um, had this collaborative robot. He saw it in a magazine. I think, I think we bought the first one as a user of the product, sight unseen. No demo, nothing. This was in back in 2014. We ended up buying 12 or 14 UR5s and, and UR10s. There was no UR3 at the time. And uh, summer of 2015, I was literally on vacation with my family on a cruise ship in the middle of the Caribbean somewhere. And I was reading Peter Thiel, Zero to One, just kind of thinking about things and business and opportunities. And, you know, I, I say what you probably know, Joe, which is automation's hard. Like, there's a lot that goes into it. And people want to take advantage of automation and robotics, but sometimes don't know where to start, sometimes are risk averse. And I'll say I felt or we felt confident that we could design a business that could de-risk automation. And so that that's really where it started back in 2015, literally on a cruise ship thinking, reading Peter Thiel's zero to one and thinking about how do we just break down the barriers? Everything's getting cloud connected. Uh, Uber and Airbnb are sort of disrupting other industries with different business models. And cobots were making things pretty easy even back then. And so the, those were the those were the original ingredients of what became Hyrobotics. Well, you're absolutely right. Uh, again, from the from the traditional perspective, it's always been a high barrier um, to to deploy automation. Um, I mean, I think we see it in the types of customers that we're dealing with routinely, small and medium sized manufacturing. Was that part of your original formula, or did that evolve out of it? So. Uh, yeah, it, it, it was part of the original formula. So when we started, it's like, well, how do we make it easy? And as a startup, anything to get a customer to say yes is kind of like in the playbook, right? <laughs> so perfect, perfectly was, valid. Yeah. So it was like, man, if we if we provide the equipment and we say we can do it and customers pay us by the hour, like literally by the hour that the robot's productive, uh, they know how to hire a person, they know how to pay a person. We could swap in a robot and do some work and, you know, have a have a piece of equipment that generates a stream of income for us, and then we'll be on the hook to support it. We'll be their automation team. Maybe this is something that small to mid-sized companies that were risk averse 
could take advantage of and get into automation faster. What applications did you pursue initially? So uh, a lot of machine tending, but I'll say foolishly, sometimes anything. It's So originally we would look at applications and, and say, could we do this with a UR? That doesn't mean you should do it with any Agreed. Robot, right? But it was <laughs> totally more like, agreed. could we do this? And so like the very first, we had the first deal signed two weeks after we got started. It was a machine tending, loading parts into a punch press, cycling them and dropping the two parts off somewhere. And uh, we, we sort of went into all different areas wherever our customers took us, sometimes in the wrong areas, right? But a lot of machine tending, some assembly, screw driving, gluing, wow. um, all sorts of different things. So now contrast what you did in those early days with the traditional systems integrator approach, because to a certain degree, that's what an integrator does. Customer says, mm -hmm. I got a problem. They help scope the problem and define it, and they go develop a solution and deliver it to the customer. But you're doing things a little bit differently. Yeah, so we um, certainly, because we're dealing with collaborative robot, it reduces some of the things we need to do. We still do a risk assessment, always have. Um, we still evaluate, like, are there is the equipment we're operating dangerous or there, you know, do we need light curtains or things like that? But we felt very confident in building a business around a collaborative robot because it's, it's our name on the line. It's our, you know, we put out a piece of equipment and if it doesn't function properly. And so building it around a cobot was key, right? I would never try to do this or advise anyone to do this with the traditional piece of automation that requires significantly more from a safety standpoint. Um, but what, what you know, I know from your own experience, I'm sure, is that a lot of applications, like if you get the 80%, you're getting virtually all of the value that you can get. You can always automate more, 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 more. But a lot of times you're just throwing a lot of money and time at a problem that's not going to get you a good return. And so yeah. with our model, one of the things we pitched to to customers was we'll we'll go in and we'll do the core task. And if you need more, like we'll figure out how to do more with you but let's go do the core task. And we can do that now, we can do that quickly. Yeah, we talk a lot about incremental automation. Uh, I've always mm -hmm. said that traditional approach is all or nothing. Mm -hmm. You have a 10-step 10, 10 process. If you don't automate all 10 steps, the project won't justify yep. because it's impossible to finish seven steps and then plug an operator in. Um, and so I think you're just you're, you're right on that same mark that, that we are. We call it incremental, it's the same approach. Yep, so our very first application as Hirebotics was uh, a press application where there was a person taking parts out of a box or a bin or a tote or something and presenting them to a person that was being treated as a robot <laughs> loading the machine. Yep. And so the, the, our solution was you're going to still have a person working with a cobot and the person's going to feed the parts to the cobot and the cobot will make sure that they're loaded right. We'll do all the quality check-in, you know, and we'll get you the production targets you need. So what's your offer to the end customer? You basically say, I've got this thing and you can rent it by the, by the, month, day, week, hour? Well, so our traditional business model and where we started was we'll do a, uh, a, a custom application, so to, so to speak, in, in, in lanes that we knew we could be successful at, a lot of machine tending. Um, we do all the end-of-arm tooling design, integration, integration to you know their machine, whether it's a CNC or press, do the risk assessment, and we're on the hook to support it. So a customer would sign up for us, they would sign up for a minimum number of hours per week. So just like a person going to get hired for a job, you're not gonna get a very high quality person if you only offer them 10 hours a week, <laughs> right? But if it is a full-time job, right, you might get a better person. And so 
um, what what is compelling for a customer is they we de-risk it for them so they don't have to go try to justify capital. What if they're wrong? What if it doesn't work? People have horror stories from traditional automation that they yep. either have directly or have heard from friends or colleagues. So we sort of de-risk the decision-making process and we're there to support it afterwards too because we run the risk, right? And this is sort of our shared responsibility to a customer. We run the risk that if we're not performing, if the robot's not doing what they want, if the application isn't to what they expect, they could fire it just like they fire a person. So that means you've really got to be deep, more deeply vested in the customer's process. Did you develop a whole different set of tools to do that or is it just brute force by by being there and understanding the, the customer's process from the beginning? Well, so, uh, you know, a little bit of learning the hard way and a little bit of, <laughs> of, of proper planning, but, you know, from the very beginning, the very first cobot we deployed, we cloud connected it. We, we develop our own software in-house. We write a lot of software that runs on mobile devices in the cloud and that interfaces with UR cobots specifically. And that allows us to support our customers at any time of the day or night, wherever they are, however they run. And if it means, you know, we always follow the right safety um, measures. We always have safety systems in place, but um, if a customer reach out, reaches out to us and they have an issue, sometimes it's training, we can collaborate in app with them so our whole team sees it. But if we need to adjust something with the robot, maybe we need to turn off a certain shoot, maybe we need to buy, you know, add some time to an air blow off, we can do all of that remotely. And customers really value being able to reach out to us at 9 p.m. on a weekend, whenever it is, because they're having a problem and we're there to help them. Was that the basis for this new software product that you've released, Beacon? Right, so so what we've been developing software from the beginning, as, as I mentioned, and uh, actually folks at UR, various trade shows that we would see and run, talk to various people at UR, is like, you guys should release that. You guys should release it as a UR cap. And we always were just a little bit too busy, a little bit too busy. We always had some reason not to put in the time to get it UR Plus certified. And we finally, late last year, early this year, decided how do we take the tools that we have and put them out there in a way that anybody can use, leverage the same capabilities that we have. And so what we call Beacon is just the continued evolution of the same software that we use ourselves to manage our own cobots. Now, we have some additional capability that is not yet released to end users, but we're gonna to continue to provide and give back to the community, the UR community, tools that they can manage and support their cobots from anywhere. But you know, you're providing that at no cost. The software. Yes. Yeah. So that's a, that's a great question. We get that from, from sometimes with, from end users. So today, because we already developed that software, we already use it ourselves, the incremental cost to have more people take advantage of it is virtually zero. So it's not like we built a product to give away for free. We're letting people use our tools if they want to for free. At some point in the future, we may have some premium capabilities that if people want to opt into and pay, they can. But no different than if you were to sign up for Dropbox or some cloud storage, right? You can get some capability for free. And then if you want enterprise level features, you can pay for it. Well, it, I mean, it actually mirrors the whole, the whole app store. Right. Yes. How many how many times do you download an app, kind of start to like it, uh, and then go go premium yep. and upgrade? Yep. So I think we don't I know. That's yeah, and we don't know what premium means today, right? We're not we're really not worried about it because we're not building something special for the community. We're just letting the community take advantage of a subset of our features. So, 
let's segue then. Uh, and by the way, just for our listeners, how do they get Beacon? Ah, yeah, so two different ways. If you go to the UR website, Universal Robots, universal-robots.com, go to UR Plus, um, you can find Beacon in the UR Plus, one of the UR Plus pages. Yep. You can also go to hirebotics.com slash Beacon, and you can read a little bit about it, and you can sign up and get free access from there. Very nice. And okay, I, so I will point out too, Joe, that different than some other solutions at Cloud Connect Cobots, there's no hardware that's needed. So, so a lot, you know, they're strictly strictly a smartphone and the UR Cobot, and we're done. That's it. You you download, you know, if you go to our website or through the UR Plus page, you sit, sign up that says you want it. You're going to get emailed a UR cap, a link to download the UR cap. You're going to get access to the mobile app. You put the cap on the Cobot, like any UR cap. You plug in a network cable and you're off to the races. Okay, so here's a test. We're gonna see if either one of us can pass. Uh-oh. What, what does CAP stand for? Oh boy, now I'm really getting put on the spot. Co uh, cobot application? I can't answer it either, so I, I, I think we're gonna say it's, uh, but it is, it is a software product developed under the UR Plus uh, program, and it, yeah. is, uh, it is runs on our controller. Um, yeah. And I'm going to come back to our listeners and tell them what a cap means at some future date because I can't <laughs> tell you either. Yeah. Hey, Rob, let me say let me segue now because you guys made a big a big move um, last year into arc welding, and yeah. it's uh, you know from my perspective, uh, I'm I'm like you and some of your some of your teammates, right? I've been in and around and done arc welding for a long time. Um, Never really could have projected uh, collaborative robots in arc welding, but you guys pioneered it and are really making it successful. What drove that transition? Yeah, so great question, Joe. The We were approached, I think it was goes back to 2017 um, by ReadyArc, and ReadyArc is a subsidiary of Airgas, which is a subsidiary of Air Liquide. And so that whole enterprise, right, is very steep in welding, gases, welding wire, right? They've got a huge footprint in the US, Canada, and globally. And so we were approached uh, in 2017 uh, by a senior VP who's, who basically said, look, we rent welding equipment, you rent robots, cobots. Uh, there's this sh huge shortage of skilled welders. There's gotta be some way that we can join forces, work together to help solve this shortage of skilled welders. And so there was a lot of conversation over many months running into each other at trade shows but it, uh, in 2018, late 2018, we did some proof of concepts to prove to some of the naysayers that a cobot can weld, right? If you put a torch and you know, mount it through the end of a cobot, you can get a good weld. And so it was really an evolution that, that they had this idea, they had this welding expertise. They came to us because we have cobot expertise, an interesting business model, and some cloud software that you know, we can talk about that they were very interested in, in taking advantage of. Did you have welding background when you started the process or did you did you leverage those partners for the welding expertise? Le for the most part, leverage the partners. So Matt, a uh, co-founder of mine, has has done some welding, but not, you know, not like you would expect around traditional like arc welding uh, yeah. automation, right? Yeah. Um, and so we did leverage their expertise, their research team, um, people that, you know, have studied uh, you know, that the science of welding all the way to 
folks that they have that have designed power sources for welding and things like that. So um, I think one of the case studies that we have up on our site is is a really compelling story um, about you working in a in a shop that's a very classic definition of low volume high mix yep. uh, and brought brought automated welding to them. Uh, could you give us give us that story? I think the listeners would really like that. Yeah, so um, the, what you're referring to is a company, a customer of ours called PMI. They're based up in Wisconsin. They were an already existing Hyrobotics customer. We put two UR10E cobots on some big press, presses that they had doing press tending. And when they got wind that we were working on a uh, cobot welding solution, they raised their hand. They, they didn't even see the product. They raised their hand and said, how do we get, like, we want, we want this. And so... Um, they were one of our very first, very early users. They give us great feedback. Um, we take their feedback very seriously. We push out software updates to everybody, including them, as through the cloud, as they have feature requests or things that they need. Um, so we've got a great relationship with them as well as other customers around the country. Well, the other thing I think is so interesting in that discussion is you, mm -hmm. you if I heard the story correctly, you went into that plant and you looked for the parts that the welders didn't want to weld. Yes. Yes. So yeah, that's a, that's a good point. And that's consistent at PMI as well as other companies is that there, there's a lot of, a lot of companies, whether, even if they produce high volume stuff, they do, a lot of them still have that high mix type of work that they're giving. They don't give to their traditional robots. They give to their human welders, mm -hmm. not typically not very interesting work, you know, brackets, small parts, things that might take two, three minutes um, of just traditional MIG welding. Um, and so as they struggle to, to find a way to bring on more work, but that requires more people, they can't find the people, they kind of get stuck in this conundrum. They saw the cobot as a way to, it was, it was really like, what can the cobot do? We'll feed it those parts so we can have our people do the more interesting thing. And so they were very much of the mindset, we'll give the cobot whatever it can do, and we'll figure out more things that it can do versus I need the cobot to do this part, how fast can it do this part? Well, I mean, I think there's a, for me, there's a couple points that come out of that. I, I, I've, in every weld shop that I've been in, um, you know, the shop owner, operator, manager is pretty clear that the skilled welders need to work on complex parts. That's how they make margin. Yes. And that the little, you know, the little bits and bobs of brackets and clips and stuff is, is difficult to get consistent quality because they're, I mean, they're, they're the definition of dull and boring. Yes. Um, and so I think that's a, that's I think that's a great story. Um, I think this customer though didn't they not also do some pretty heavy calculations on the cost of a uh, welder working on those parts versus the cost of the Botex solution? Yeah, they they did. And I I think if I remember correctly, and I certainly encourage all the listeners to go download and read the case study and watch the videos because it is really interesting. But I think they estimated that it was like half the cost of doing it with Botex than they're traditional uh, human welders. And yeah. not to spoil anything, we've got a customer that we just put a system in last week and, and maybe we'll do some sort of case study at some point, but they're, they calculated an 800% improvement in output, 800%. Incredible. Right? Incredible. And what, what was interesting about that one, and, and sorry to take it away from PMI for a second, not that that's not a good story too, is bringing the, this is a company in Atlanta that has other traditional automation, other traditional robot automate, you know, Welding mm -hmm. automation, 
what, what they wanted cobalt welding because they wanted something that was flexible for their smaller batch jobs. And sure. they were willing to change their process for the cobot. And so not all of that 800% is just faster travel speed, which is what some people want to think about. It's they, they adapted their process to the cobot in a matter of literally days from the, when they got it set up and saw an 800% improvement based on their data in their system that they track, you know, man hours per part and things like that. Yeah. I think, I think welding is also one of those, one of those application segments where, um, you know, the, as you said, there's a shortage, there's a real labor crisis and it really shows up in welding. Um, and I think it's, uh, it's not going away. Uh, I've talked to, you know, so many plant managers and operators and heads of manufacturing, and they're still struggling to hire today, even unfortunately uh, under the impact of the COVID pandemic, uh, still can't get people in manufacturing. And I think welding's probably as, uh, as bad as any. It, it is, it is, and that, that point is spot on because welding in particular, it is a skilled trade, right? And, and you're taking these people that, that do get that training, and, but you're having them do the dull work because you can't find other people to do it. And that's perfect for a cobot because the, once you get that thing part set up, that cobot's gonna do that part the same way every time in the morning, in the night, you get extremely high degree of quality. Um, on these parts that were kind of dull and, and an afterthought for a lot of a lot of people. Yep. Okay. So welding. What what next? Is there an emerging application that is kind of sitting on the table, getting ready to go for you guys? So um, it, it's probably worth explaining first how we think about welding, and we we really welding is really an application that runs on Beacon, right? Mm, so you think about Beacon as our software yeah. that we have. Yep. And it's only recently branded as Beacon, but welding is is literally an application that runs on Beacon with a very tailored experience for that application. And so we've had conversations with a lot of different types of OEMs that see what we've done around arc welding that say, how do we do something similar for our product or our product line? Because these OEMs see the value in delivering a cobot-based solution that's cloud connected, that puts off streams of data that allows them to un better understand how people are using their product, mm -hmm. whether it's arc welding equipment or other applications where you imagine the tools in the hand and you're, someone's yep. teaching it to do work. Um, and, and so I, I can't share exactly what next, but if you think about arc welding as an application that runs on Beacon, we've developed that Beacon platform that we certainly take advantage of today as being able to handle applications that run on Beacon or that are powered by Beacon that run on a UR cobot. Yeah, makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. Yeah, I mean, I think we're seeing it. There's a, there's a, a, a definite push uh, in our world to try to build uh, tightly controlled vertical applications and, and deploy them, um, you know, in the right spot. And I, and I think your, your focus now to kind of bring things down and keeping the middle of the bell curve will pay off too. It absolutely does. Yeah, what, what, what is compelling about how we've approached arc welding is, is sort of twofold. One is the fact that it is a cobot allows the, the equipment to be approachable. Right? Somebody walks up, they move it into place to, to teach it. That coupled with, I'll say, a very tailored experience that is delivered on a mobile phone makes it also approachable to the average welder. And sometimes those people are a little intimidated by a teach pendant. Maybe they, it, when you think about back to where we started this on-demand business model, 
Mm-hmm. Is sometimes people are a little intimidated or gun shy about learning how to program a robot, but when they see a, a fo- literally a mobile phone app that they're going to use that can guide and teach the cobot, it, it becomes very approachable very quickly. Have you guys had robots come back where a customer has said, "I'm done with my project"? You know, my, sure. my big my big bubble is is through and I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. But at that point, you just leverage the the flexible ability to redeploy. Yeah, so so one of the things we actually promote with the BotX product around welding is if you have a short-term need, if you got a job that's only lasting a couple of months, you're not going to be a candidate for traditional automation. Like you know that, I know that, but you could rent a BotX, right? You could bring in a BotX for a couple of months and send it back when you don't need it. Maybe you have a seasonal business. You could bring it in for the mm-hmm. season and send it back when you're done. You could buy one or two, because we do now offer it for sale as well and keep those year round and flex up and down during your busy seasons with additional ones that you rent. Um, and even in our, in our traditional space, like we've had applications that have been in the field for literally years and then the job runs out or the part runs out or some sort of switch over and, and the customer doesn't need the solution anymore. And so That's, we'll bring uh, that back. And again, yep. as you mentioned, right, the, the fact that it, that you are has made things so flexible. It's not like other brands that you have like 50 different models and different, you know, oh, this one's only good for palletizing and this one's only good for that. We we know and have a high degree of confidence that we can redeploy a cobot in another application. Rod, that's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. So tell our listeners how they can get a hold of you and Hirebotics and explore this uh, this crazy new world of cobots on demand. Yeah, so uh, encourage people to come to our website at hirebotics.com. Um, you'll find some information about our BotX product for arc welding. You'll also see some links and some information about Beacon. So if you have a cobot wh- anywhere around the world and you want to put some software on it that allows some visibility to that remotely, you can download Beacon and get started immediately. Um, and and say certainly subscribe to our blog and stay tuned for some updates as we have them later this year. No, I got a I got a last question, and it's uh, it's 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 not hierbotic specific, but how are how are you guys wrestling with uh, the current situation? I mean, travel's constrained, heavily constrained. We're certainly not doing uh, trade shows where we can get face to face and meet people. What are you guys doing to deal with that? Yeah, great question, and and it's very timely because we were just doing like a, a mid year business review with our team, right? We take our team, we're very transparent with our team. We take them through our financials and things like that. And uh, two things, one is because we cloud connect our cobots wherever they are, we're able to support our customers even in the middle of a pandemic. And so 95% of challenges that, that customers face are all dealt with remotely. Either it's because it's a training issue or because there's something, maybe they uncovered a bug or something like that that we can resolve remotely. Um, but the other fact is the fact that we have this fleet of cobots that are out there that are being rented by customers, and so it's not like uh, a traditional sale model where it's like I don't have any sale, I don't have any orders in April, right? Or I don't have any orders in May. What am I going to do as a business? Right? Mm-hmm. We have this nice recurring revenue stream of cobots in the field that we support, you know, day in and day out, pandemic or not. Fantastic, it's a great story. Rob, thanks so much for spending some time with us. Uh, really enjoyed it, and it's uh, it's a nice view into a uh, kind of a, a very disruptive business model for our whole industry. And uh, congratulations and future success, please. Thanks, Joe. Uh, thanks for having me. I pre- really appreciate it.
Danielle, could you wrap up for us and tell our listeners where they can get more information about our products? Yes, I can. We have a lot more of automation information coming to our listeners. So if you aren't already following The Cobot Show, follow us here on Spotify or now on Apple Podcasts. This podcast and many others are also available on our website at universal-robots.com slash podcast. And if you have a specific question about what we discussed today, you're looking for next steps in automation, or you have a suggestion for a future podcast, send us an email at ur.na at universal-robots.com. Thank you, Joe and Rob, and thank you for listening.